So if you're watching us on Facebook or YouTube, we are glad that you're watching. Today we are continuing our discussion on hosting the presence of God. Uh, like I said last week, if you miss any part of this series or the previous series, this is kind of like a bounce off of the uh, Holy Spirit series. You can watch them on our Facebook or YouTube pages, or you can listen to the audios on our website, and I need to get those caught up because we're way behind on those. But uh, the last time I spoke, we looked at what David said in Psalms 27.4. Anybody remember what, the way it started out? One thing I asked from the Lord. This only do I seek that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life to gaze or meditate on the beauty of the Lord and to seek him in his temple. And we asked, we asked ourselves, what's our one thing? What is the one thing that we are seeking right now in September of 2020? What is it that we meditate on? We said that the one thing, the greatest treasure is having the presence of the Holy Spirit resting on us like the dove rested on Jesus' shoulder. And if you learned anything from the Holy Spirit series, the idea is as the Holy Spirit rests on us, we don't want to do anything to cause that skittish dove to fly away. Not that he leaves us, but we can grieve him and he can, he can move off of us, but he never leaves us, okay? I don't know, man, what will happen to this city if Christians host the presence of God 24 hours a day and they don't sin six and a half days a week and then come in and try to get it all fixed and cleaned up, and then go back and do the same thing, and then go back and do the same thing, and then go back and do the same thing. I'm sorry, but you're living on the other side of the fence at that point, right? Because church is not what saves us, right? And then I said something that I want to bounce off of this week. Remember I said that it is through a good host of his presence that God wants to infect the world with love and salvation. You remember that? It is through a good host that God can bring heaven to earth. And you're not supposed to wait for the pastor to do it. You're not, wait, you're not supposed to wait for Bethel to do it or anybody that Elevation Worship or any of those big organizations or big churches or big movements of God. I hope, I hope, man, I'll tell you what, Alan knocked it out of the park last week. I almost thought, boy, I should have saved the best for last. That was incredible. And if you didn't respond to that last week and come to the altar and, and just, or in your pew or in your hearts or in your chairs or in your hearts, then you need to go back and re-listen to that message and let it grab your heart because that was it. That was the message. To get rid of anything that is blocking us from hosting the presence of God. Go back and listen to it, I challenge you. If you weren't moved because, you know, as I looked around, I thought, oh Lord, I actually repented. I said, oh Lord, the church is in trouble that only a third of the people responded to that message. And the rest were just kind of going about their day. I'm not, I'm not saying we can tell who made decisions. I don't, don't go there. But man, that should have put all of us on our knees. Even if you didn't understand it, you'd say, God, I want that so bad. God, help us to take this message today and have it grip our hearts to understand your plan from the beginning and Alan's incredible message of these godly men and how they, how they had a, an encounter with God and learned to host the presence of God. I mean, think about, think about it when you go back to last week, guys. A guy was putting sandals together and people came just to watch him. Do you remember that? Do you want that? It's not just that people need to come and watch pastors preach. 
Can you imagine your boss having to set up a special room because people are coming to your job place just to be around you while you're doing your job? Because the president, he'd probably fire you, really, in today's society, and you'd go start your own business. Because you'd have people there just, just wanting to buy a sandal or just be in your presence as you're doing your job so they can take that sandal. You remember in the sermon before that, you know, Paul had people like, like buying pieces of his linen and, and healing people with it. Peter had his shadow just fall over people. I, I'm not so sure the church wants that. I hope they do. I hope you do. We don't want it for ourselves, right? We don't want it for any glory. We want it to transform the world. We want to prove that Jesus is real, he's alive, and miracles still happen today. And it's to draw people to the kingdom, not draw people to us, right? Right? But we're the vessels. I love the song that, that, that Dusty introduced. It's our theme song, I believe, for this. And, and we're going we're gonna to introduce it to the conference. I don't know how many people know it, but I really believe because the theme of our conference is be the light. How are you being the light this year and and think about COVID and all that's happened we were forced to kind of be a light at home and in our neighborhoods weren't we and in our homes where we were confined to one another looks like most of you survived it I don't know Cody's kind of doing this so I don't know this is where I want to start today all the way back to the Garden of Eden. I want to look at God's plan from the beginning that, by the way, has not changed for us today. So it's crucial to go back and remember what God has been up to since the beginning of time. And I'm going to launch this with a quote from Bill Johnson from the book. I want you to lean into this quote. This is huge. Our story starts with two people in a garden. The Garden of Eden was, a perfect, was as perfect as any place could be. So were, by the way, not just the garden, so were its only two human inhabitants, Adam and Eve, were just as perfect as the garden. They had a unique place in all of creation because they were made in the image of God. That's going to be important in a minute. That had never happened before, and nothing else had that privileged place in existence. Because of this likeness, the ones made in God's image would rule over the earth. Everyone say, rule over the earth. We're going to explain that in a minute. And represent him, say represent him, in personality and function. Because of, his, of this likeness made in the image of God, the ones made in God's image would rule over the earth and represent him in personality and function. So let me just ask a question. How are you doing ruling over the earth? Or is the earth ruling over you? Are you overwhelmed with the earth or are you overwhelming the earth with you? <laughs> goosebumps Adam and Eve were designed to rule like God do you know how God rules in your notes God rules with protection and empowerment God rules with protection and empowerment Also in your notes, here's what Adam's, Adam and Eve's assignment was. To represent God on earth to the rest of creation. To represent God on earth to the rest of creation. Do I have to ask? How well do you represent God on earth while you're here, while you're alive, while you're breathing, 
to the rest of creation, which means to anyone that is in your circle of influence. Anyone you come into contact with. How are you doing? Pretty big assignment, huh? It could be overwhelming, except it's not. Because we can't do it on our own. We do it by being protected and by being empowered by God. We do it by hosting the presence of God. Okay? We have a part, right? When the enemy plants a bad thought about the pastor in our head, we get rid of it before we entertain it and tell somebody about what we think about him. <laughs> See how I kind of get some things in, in the sermons? Not that I've heard anything, but I know, I know stuff goes on, so I can't believe he wore that shirt. So listen, the earth has always belonged to God. Remember, he's the landlord. We're the tenants, right? And God has delegated us to rule in his place on earth. And listen carefully to this next part because this, this is where Christians and church leaders are missing it, I believe. Our position, our place, our authority over the earth comes from an overflow of intimacy with God. Our place and our position and our authority comes from our intimacy with God. In other words, no intimacy, no authority. Now, that's not new to most of you, but the question is, have you done anything about that? Because we've been talking about this all year. In fact, for years. No intimacy, no authority. No intimacy, no power, no empowerment. No intimacy, maybe even no protection. Turn with me to the book of Matthew chapter 8. Real quick, we're just going to look at a couple passages, but you can, I'll give you time to turn there. Matthew chapter 8, it'll also be on the screen if you don't have a Bible or uh, if you're using your cell phones, make sure you're reading Scripture and not Facebook. Matthew chapter 8, I'm going to show you some insight into our role in being a delegated authority. It comes from a centurion who wanted his servant to be healed. He goes to the healer, Jesus, and he says this in verses 8 and 9. Matthew 8, verses 8 and 9. Lord, I do not deserve to have you come under my roof, but just say the word. In other words, Lord, I, I, don't, I don't deserve to have you come to my, my servant's house or my house or my house where my servant is, but just say the word and my servant will be healed. Talk about faith. Verse 9. For I myself am a man under authority with soldiers under me. I tell this one go, and he goes, and that one come, and he comes. I say, my servant, do this, and he does it. But I'm still someone under authority. In your notes, this Roman military leader realized something. He realized that his authority came from, everybody said came from, came from being under authority. A lot of Christians struggle with that statement. His authority came from being under authority. Listen, we struggle with this today. We don't want anyone to rule over us, even God. That is why we have so many Christians in churches who are comfortable with sin. Let me repeat that. That is why we have so many Christians in churches who are now comfortable with sin, and they're excusing it. Because there is no higher ruler over themselves. Remember what I said a couple weeks ago, lovers of self is a sign of the end times. Listen carefully because this, this will explain why so many want the gifts of God without paying the price for them. 
Are you ready for this? This is, a, this is unreal. We can only release the power and authority of God's rule to the degree, everybody say to the, de- to the degree. To the degree of intimacy, right? We can only release the power and authority of God's rule to the degree that we have allowed him to rule over us. No, maybe you don't want to release power and authority. Then you're missing the point of being alive and being a child of God. And we're going to see that in a minute. Our assignment is to rule with power and authority in planet Earth. To be space invaders. To spread the gospel with power and authority. You get this? How do we find out what God's rule is? And I don't mean rule like rules. Like you can't do this and you can't do that and you can't do that. Christianity is not about can't do's. It's about get to's. But the world will tell you it's about if you become a Christian, you won't be able to do anything. That is not what this preaches. Okay? How do I find out what God wants me to come under his authority in? Read this. It'll tell you. Ask the Holy Spirit. He'll show you. This is why getting rid of that addiction is so important because it is ruling you. And it's an area of your life that God isn't yet. Okay? I'm in this battle right now with soda. For the fifth, Somebody actually said, haven't you tried to quit 15 times? Yeah, it's because I tell you all publicly, now everybody's keeping a record. Okay? <laughs> yes, okay? Let's just say it. This is the, probably the 25th time that I've tried to quit soda. I'm doing fairly well. I only usually have one or two a week, and I'm weaning myself off. So I'm in this battle with you. I realize the Holy Spirit pointed it out as an addiction. It's, it's, it's causing a weight issue, and it's only one of the issues of my weight. And I've realized, and I told you publicly, that, that my conviction is a lack of self-control. And when I realized that it was one of the fruits of the Spirit, I went, I'm out of control. I eat whatever I want, whenever I want, and whenever my flesh says it wants something. And I realized I have to, I have to get this flesh under control. And especially if I'm going to be a leader and I'm going to preach it, I need to follow by example. Okay? So I'm in this addiction thing with you. He started telling me about Candy Crush yesterday again. I'm like, man, why don't you? Let's just deal with the soda thing. Just stop with the cell phone thing. I grew up in the 80s and we had computers with little blips on them. And I had to have a computer nerd come over and just hook it up. And I couldn't even run them. And now I have a computer in my hand and now you're telling me don't use it. You know, don't use it 24 hours a day. Because now you're not reading my word. Now you're not worshiping. Now you're not praying. You're trying to beat the next level. You get what I'm saying? So I'm, I'm preaching to me. So don't be like, why is Pastor Mark preaching to me? No, Pastor Mark's preaching to me. Okay? This is why getting rid of your addiction is so important because it's ruling you. It's an area of your life that God isn't ruling you yet. And you will only carry or host the presence of God to the degree that you have submitted yourself to his ways and his plans and his agenda for you. I mean, Wayland's, I mean, the dude is listening. You, you listening. Right? You are in, man. He is staring at me. He's freaking me out a little bit. <laughs> you know what? I'm going to say it again, and I'm going to say it every Sunday until, until we start living differently. We do not want to Lean into the hard. We don't. 
And if we're really honest this morning, God's ways and the Bible seem so different and difficult and opposite of what we think works that we do it our way. Why? It's simple, because we don't really trust God. Let's just be honest. It's because we don't really trust this anymore. We think it's outdated and it's too harsh. So we've stopped letting this be the rule of our lives and we've allowed this to be the rule of our lives. We don't want to submit to God's authority because it seems so hard. And when we come out, when we come out from under his authority, by the way, what did we say his authority brings? What, is, what does God bring to us? Protection and empowerment. So when we come out from under his authority, guess what I think? We are no longer protected and we are no longer empowered. We're basically on our own. And we see Christians living this lifestyle so much that it seems like it's becoming the norm. It can be disheartening to, uh, to other Christians. But you know what? I want to tell you something, folks. That is not our destiny. Our destiny is not to live out from under God's authority, okay? So I want to tell you what your destiny is this morning by looking at Adam, Adam's destiny. Remember, God actually gave Adam a task right after he created him. What was the task that God gave Adam? to name all the animals, okay? Now, names might not mean a lot to us today, but back then, your name was everything. Listen to me. Your name back then defined you. I believe it still does today. Your name defined you back then. So, I don't think Adam really understood the magnitude of this assignment. Think about this. Like us, like us, Adam is brought into the creation picture as a co-laborer with God. And also like this, Adam is given the response, also like us, Adam is given the responsibility to help, listen to this, Adam is given the responsibility, this is your responsibility too, so I want you to lean into this, to define the nature of the world that he's going to live in, excuse me. Can I repeat that? Just let that sink in. Adam is given the responsibility to help define the nature of the world, let me put you in that. You have been given the responsibility to help define the nature of your home, the atmosphere, the nature, everything that's happening. Man, you better really be listening because you're the leader of the home, spiritual leader of the home. You've been given the responsibility to help define the nature of your workplace, the nature of your community and your church. You've been given a responsibility. It's not just my responsibility as a pastor. My role is to teach you to define the nature of the church, not to just do it and watch you watch me. I'm the educator. I train you. That's what I'm going to be held responsible. What did I teach you? I'm not supposed to do it all and have you go, yay, Pastor Mark's awesome. And that's why we pay him to read the Bible so I don't have to because just, I just don't have time. Yay, Pastor Mark. Go, go, go. Love Pastor Mark. No, my job is to make you uncomfortable and say you're supposed to be doing this. You have the responsibility, we do, of defining the nature of planet Earth. I want you to think about that. It's crazy. My favorite sermon, I think, I've, I'm, it's just so hard to know. One of my favorites I've ever preached. That's like a wow moment. I just need a minute. You see, you see why we need the Holy Spirit with us every step of the way? Because that's an overwhelming statement. You cannot do that as a human being. 
You cannot define the nature without the Holy Spirit on you, okay? Because our assignment that we will be held accountable for, by the way, is huge in your notes. I just want you to write it in so you remember. Our assignment, we get to define the nature of this world by how well, by how well, by how well we host and steward the presence of God. Let me try to explain in more detail what God's agenda was from the beginning. Now, this is going to seem elementary for you, but I'm going to show you. I'm telling you, those, we, we had a good crowd for Feel the Fire Friday night, but I, the Lord speaks to me so much. Man, I was back there hurting from playing golf all day with Bear and then sun and sunburn, and my hip was locked up, and I couldn't even move, and I came in and basically plopped in the chair when, when my flesh was saying, just go home and sit in your recliner and skip it, Okay. But I ended up going, and you know, Jeannie came back and gave me a word of knowledge, and my hip was healed. The pain went away. All she did was say, the Lord told me to come back here and, and encourage you and tell you, you know, just to love on you and give you... She didn't even pray healing over me, but my hip was healed from her just touching me and obeying God, okay? And then God, couple last fuel the fire, I was typing, like writing all, all Friday night. I was just writing more stuff that I added for the end, at the end of this sermon. I came in this morning and retyped it up. God showed me something, okay? So this is going to seem elementary to some of you, but new to others. And the point of all of this is in the middle of a chaotic world that we're living in right now, this is a reminder. This is a wake-up call to Christians and churches that no matter what is, no matter what is happening around us, that we are not to be shaken and we are to stick, we are to stick to the agenda of heaven, okay, right? We're to stick to what God was trying to do through Adam. So God gave me this picture. It was kind of cool. Katie would be really proud of me. That symbol, actually, I'm just going to give you some background on what happens in my office. That symbol is actually a symbol of the Holy Spirit, but I just wanted to kind of display uh, the Garden of Eden when God planted the Garden of Eden on earth. And so I found this picture, but it had a black box around it, and I accidentally got rid of the black box. I don't know. Maybe the Holy Spirit helped me with it, but I was just trying to give you an idea of what it looked like on planet Earth when the Garden of Eden, not that I know, but okay, this is what God showed me uh, in a vision at Field of Fire last month, okay? The perfect place of the Garden of Eden, the perfect place of the Garden demonstrated heaven on Earth, and the reason for the placement of a, such an amazing place of peace and divine order was extreme, and it was intentional, because you can kind of see the rest of the world had not been infected yet. So this plan of God was extreme and it was intentional. And by the way, that's why I believe we are supposed to live lives that are extreme and intentional. Okay? So the rebellion of Satan brought a scar into what was otherwise a perfect creation. And now this peaceful place, literally heaven's atmosphere on earth, now had to take on, listen, it now had to take on a military function. Why do you think that's true looking at that picture? Because there was a lot more land that had not been taken yet. So now God's plan was a military one. You know why? Because disorder had tarnished God's creation. And now it was a time for war. Light versus darkness. Order versus chaos. Listen to God giving Adam his first military-like commission in Genesis chapter 1. I don't want you to get distracted about Adam because this is for us. This is for you. Be fruitful and increase in number. Here's his order. Fill the earth. And what does the next part say? Sounds like a military command. 
Fill the earth and subdue it. Rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky and every living creature that moves on the ground. I happen to take that literally when I'm in my deer stand. And I, and I, and, and I, I tell the deer, you better come by my stand and you better go right past Josh's, right? They haven't listened yet, okay? Fill the earth and subdue it. That sounds like a command from a military leader. Adam's immediate, Adam's immediate responsibility, if you remember in Genesis, was to tend the garden, right? His ultimate responsibility, though, was to bring the same order that was in the garden to the rest of the planet. Did you hear that? To bring the same order that was in the garden to the rest of the planet. So our responsibility is to bring heavenly order to our homes first. That's your first mission, first ministry, is your home. How you doing? Is there heavenly order in your home? Our responsibility is to bring heavenly order to our jobs as much as that is possible, and I get it if you work for an unsaved boss and, you know, you can't really talk out loud, you know, you don't have to talk, by the way, to bring the presence of God to a place, okay? You live it, and you pray during lunch, and you get in your car, and you, you anoint the place when no one's around. If you get there early, just start anointing doorposts, and people will come in and go, what's that smell? It smells so good. In your notes, here's the space invaders idea that God gave me uh, at Field of Fire last month. We are to invade Earth's atmosphere with heaven's atmosphere. Okay, why don't you just all read that because I want that to sink in. Okay? That's our military assignment. So let me ask you, does it seem today that we have heavenly order in our nation? Okay, that's the idea here in Genesis. Outside the garden was not the same order as inside the garden, which makes sense that the serpent had come in from outside into the garden because he was already cast to planet Earth. He was already on Earth. That is why God had to be so extreme and so intentional. He created order in the midst of disorder. Why? Well, that's when, where Adam and Eve came into the picture, and that's where you find your destiny and purpose. God gave me this picture to kind of show you what's supposed to happen. I probably should have added the Garden of Eden in here, but, you know, okay, so see there? Not just one light. Not just one Jesus who came and left. Many Jesuses. Your little Jesuses. Your God. You still have God in your body, just like Jesus did, right? We are to infect the planet. God wants those he, who he made in his image to host his presence well so that they can militarily push or extend the borders of the garden until the whole planet would be covered by God's rule through us. Now tell me, and please don't amen this. Do not amen this if you're not doing it because you don't impress us with your amens, okay? Is this, is this idea that we're talking about pushing and extending the presence of God that happens in our churches to the whole city of Dubois in the Tri-County area by God's rule through us. Do, do, do we wake up in the morning with that on our hearts? Do we? To invade earth's atmosphere with heaven's atmosphere? 
We're to be space invaders. Does that even enter our thought when we wake up in the, in the morning? I want you to think about this. We, by we, I mean you and me. We have the honor and the privilege of defeating Satan. We do. We don't have to wait for God to cast him. We can take ground from him right now. Some of us are just waiting for God to come back and rescue us, and it's just too hard to be a Christian at work. We have the honor and privilege of defeating Satan. Do you know, you know God has a sense of humor, and he put us here to aggravate Satan. <laughs> we get to annoy him. Why would we just wait for God to do it at the end? Can we now start? We get to militarily wipe out the serpent. Why are we waiting for Jesus to show up to do it? Let's go to war now. You know what that means? It doesn't mean that you go to work and, and, or to your family at the reunion that you're going to today or this week and start smacking over the head with your Bible. My pastor said that I'm supposed to go to war and this is my weapon and you need Jesus now. No. Sometimes war is just hitting your knees and praying for your children and your uncles and your aunts and your grandmothers and, and whoever, your coworkers. I'll bet you, and, and the Lord just, I believe the Holy Spirit just gave this and I don't know who it's for, I'll bet you if some of you actually just started your workday with prayer that your job place has been waiting for it and they won't persecute you like you think and your, and your boss won't fire you. Go to your boss and ask permission. I would like to start today with prayer. Can I, can I just start doing that every morning? Just a quick, simple prayer. Not a 15 minute. Remember what the Bible says. Don't be long because then you lose people. Just a quick prayer. Holy Spirit. Pray to the Holy Spirit because then they're going to ask questions. Who's that? I've heard people pray to God and Jesus. What? The Holy Spirit? Is that a ghost? Is that Casper? No. Holy Spirit, will you come to this place and help us to love each other and have compassion for each other and bless my boss? I mean, what boss is going to say no to that? Bless this business and bless my boss. Overwhelm him with your blessings. Help us to be productive and successful today in this place. Amen. Right? Let's go to war. Let's go to war. Let's take this nation. Stop waiting for someone else to do it. In your notes. God decided to defeat Satan through those who would worship God by choice. I probably should have had worship in there as a thing because worship is so huge, okay? God decided to defeat Satan through those who would worship God by choice. Now, why through worship? Why through worship? Because it was the issue of worship that brought about Satan's rebellion in the first place. So it annoys him. It annoys him when you sing for joy in the middle of your trial. It annoys the crap out of him because he's trying to destroy you with that trial. He's a, he was a worship leader. He worshiped himself. It's what got him kicked out of heaven. He thought he was better than God. This next statement is just going to blow your mind and I hope that it transforms your life. I hope that you never live the same after this moment, okay? This was one of those moments that I, when Katie walked in and when I was reading this, I said, Katie, you gotta hear this. I already know you read this book, but I just gotta tell you, this book is wrecking me. 
This whole idea of going back to the beginning and, and just God showing me these things about how we're supposed to be space invaders. Do you know that God never gave Adam and Eve any instructions on spiritual warfare? He never had spiritual war. Now, Adam and Eve, before you leave the garden, before you have any children, you need to sit down. We're going to have a lecture. It's spiritual warfare 101. I'm going to tell you how to dominate demons and attack witches and warlocks because they're going to come eventually. Did you hear what God's instructions were on how to defeat our enemy? Because it's actually much simpler than trying to figure out demons and witches and warlocks in your notes. Adam and Eve's instructions, just like our instructions, for defeating Satan was two things. Live responsibly and be productive. Spiritual warfare. Live responsibly and be productive. Now, you got to be careful of your definition of responsibility, responsible and productive. Don't use your definition. Don't use Webster's definition. You need to go to the Holy Spirit and ask him what that means for you. What does it mean to live responsibly? I'm thinking it means to live the word. What does it mean to be productive? It means to fulfill your assignment. And we just went over what our assignment is, to be space invaders. Just like Adam and Eve, we are to maintain divine order through an intimate relationship with God and spread it by representing him well to the world. That's what that means. By living responsibly, we are to maintain divine order the way God would want order in our homes and in our jobs as much as we can and in and, and our schools and in our communities. And then we are to spread it to the world by representing him well. That's what that means. Now, Adam and Eve's productivity was to have children because it was just them, okay? So he said, have children who will have children who will have children and expand the borders of the garden until the planet was covered by their rule, right? And all of this flowed from their fellowship with God. All of this comes from relationship. Listen, Satan was never the focus. He never was the focus because he, he didn't need to be because Satan had no authority. Oh, he thinks he does, but he does, has no authority. So if we're not careful, we can actually have, listen to me, if we're not careful, we can actually have an overemphasis on spiritual warfare. Do you know I know people that all they talk about is demons and they live in a dark, dark place. We have to be careful that we don't live there and that's not what we're studying out too much, okay? Paul tells us, be aware of your enemy's devices in 2 Corinthians, but our strength comes from putting on the armor of God. Not, not, studying demons 24 hours a day. Bill Johnson said it this way in his book. I can't afford to live in reaction to darkness. Can't afford it. If I do, darkness has had a role in setting the agenda for my life. The devil is not worthy of such influence, even in the negative. Jesus lived in response to the Father. I must learn to do the same. That is the only example worth following. Isn't that awesome? We need to learn that, that the devil loves negative attention. The devil loves negative attention. And he will let us chase him in the name of warfare all day long, as long as he's getting attention. But that is a place of weakness. God calls us to a place of strength, which is found in discovering 
rediscovering, that's why I'm bringing this message, rediscovering our place in the garden. Okay? Walking and talking with him like the Bible says Adam and Eve did in the cool of the evening. The point is this in your notes. We have to be careful that we don't unintentionally elevate the devil's place. We have to be careful that we don't unintentionally elevate the devil's place much higher than it should be. Be aware of him. Don't worship him. Don't give him your negative thoughts. So we know, right, that our rule over the earth as believers is not ruling with an iron fist. It's not from condemnation, guilt, shame, or spiritual abuse, right? Our role over the earth as people who were made in the image of God comes from our intimacy with God, which means we rule with love. We rule with acceptance. We rule with compassion. We rule with gentleness and peace and kindness and joy and patience and goodness and faithfulness and long-suffering and guess what? <laughs> Self-control. And if we learn to walk about the world hosting those things on our shoulders, we will defeat the prince of the world. We will defeat him. So, everything was set in place for Adam and Eve to defeat all the powers of darkness as they hosted the presence of God, and then they went out and spread their godly influence all over the planet. But instead, they fell. We know the story. By the way, I'm not going to reread that, re that story to you. I just want to point out some things about the story do you realize that Satan could not come into the Garden of Eden violently and take possession of Adam and Eve? He couldn't. He had to sneak and slither his way into the garden. You know why? Because he had no dominion and he had no authority in the garden. Where? In the garden or in Adam and Eve. He had no authority over them. So he had to sneak in as a serpent. Do you realize that for you as well? If you are a child of God, Satan has no dominion or authority over you. So blaming him for your addiction, come on. He has no authority over you. He has no authority over you unless you hand it to him. Because dominion is power. And humanity was given the keys of dominion over this planet. And the only way Satan could steal it is if humans handed it to him. Okay? Now, do you remember that God had given the entire promised land to the children of Israel? You remember God said, I am giving you this land. You're not there yet. You have a long journey to get there. But I'm giving you this land all at once. It's yours. But they obviously didn't possess it all at once. Right? He gave them a mission. I'm not just going to give it to you and make it easy for you. You have to go in and you have to possess it city by city. But it's yours. If you host me well, it's going to be easy. If not, you're going to suffer defeats. And they did. Because actually, if you read the story, the children of Israel went into the promised land. And instead of affecting, infecting the culture, the culture affected them, some of them. And they gave in to worshiping other idols. And a lot of them died and failed and never got to see the promise fulfilled. Okay, but here's my point. Here's my point. You only possess what you have the ability to manage. 
You only possess what you have the ability to manage. In other words, the more they ruled well, the children of Israel and you, the more they hosted his presence well, the more his power and dominion and favor flowed through them. The more land they could possess. So when you go back to our map and we want to infect the planet, we want to take the land away from Satan, right? The more we are ruled by God, the more land we will take. Now you know why the church is so important because if you leave it up to me, I can only take a certain amount of land by myself. I need you. God needs all of us actively taking land from Satan. Here's the point. It's a repeat statement, but I want it to stick, and it's a quote from the book. They ruled well according to how well they were ruled. And the same is true for all believers. What we possess now depends on how well we steward the presence of God. Do you know many believers believe that God wants us to be poor? That it is his will that we always lack? Um, can I just remind you of the Bible? It's because that statement's not even biblical. Do you know the heroes of our faith were rich? They had land, they had animals, they had possessions, and they had huge families. God didn't design the gospel to be lived any differently now than it was lived then, okay? But do you wanna know why so many of us are poor financially and spiritually? I think, personally, it's because we have walked away from the rule of God in our lives. That's why. So many times it says, do these commands, obey these commands, and good will come to you. Even spiritually, we are so poor spiritually because we don't manage well. And then we blame everything, everybody else. We blame the government and taxes and your mom's not helping you anymore. We blame everybody else, well, why, why we don't have money. And really, if we looked at your finances, we would say, no, you're going out to eat too much. You're not saving. You're not taking a tenth or a third and saving it, whatever. Some of you aren't tithing. Why would you expect God's blessing to come on you if you don't, if you don't give back what he's asked for? One apple. You get to do whatever you want with not. Well, you're supposed to ask the Lord what to do with the other nine, but pay your bills, raise your kids. You know, he's only asking for one. Even spiritually, we don't manage truth well, do we? So let me give you a moment to let that sink in because some of us are struggling to manage these statements. <laughs> Take them in like a child of God. There's no guilt or shame. Just receive the truth. Be honest with yourself. He's right. That's why I'm spiritually poor, because I don't invest anything in my spiritual life. I come to church and hope that Pastor Mark will do it for me. I want you to think about this in your notes. Adam and Eve owned it all. They had the garden and they had the promise of the earth, but they only had possession of the garden. Okay? They owned it all, but they only had possession of the garden. They could only possess the rest of the earth as they multiplied and increased, okay? You're getting the point of today's message? They only could possess the rest of it as they multiplied and increased their ability to represent God well. You want more finances and you want more spiritual uh, growth? 
then multiply your Bible reading and your prayer life and your worship and your tithes and increase your time with God. That's, that's the idea. And the world's gonna be affected. Your family's gonna be infected. They had to grow and mature into their inheritance. Listen in your notes. Their control was equal to their maturity. Their control was equal to their maturity. They possessed only what they could steward well. And here's what I want to leave you with today. That means we have another couple minutes. Because the devil had no authority over Adam and Eve, all he could do was talk. That's all he can do to you. Me, 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 me. Why does Pastor Mark preach so long? Doesn't he know I'm in a hurry? And then you leave the message mentally and you don't get anything out of it but a complaint. And then you do not go and infect the world. And then when you get to Jesus, he's going to say, what did you do with your time, talents, and finances? And you're going to go, I wasted it. Welcome to heaven, but there's not much to to offer. Doesn't mean you won't be let into heaven. Do you remember when charity walked into heaven in the book Driven by Eternity and everyone in heaven bowed? Hear my heart as your pastor and the reason why we need to talk about these difficult topics and the reason why I'm going to make you uncomfortable. That's what I want for you. I want all of heaven to know your name. Not just you and Jesus. And everybody's like, well, who is that? I mean, they must have been a great saint. I mean, they did some things for God, but I want everyone in heaven to know your name because you took the earth. There's some of you, when you get there, I'm going to be bowing. I told Sue Gamba, I don't know if she heard me, but I was picking out about how much she does uh, after the church picnic, after everybody left, and I said, Sue, I'm going to bow when you get there. All the enemy can do is talk. That's where he starts with us, right? He plants, he slithers into our mind, and he plants ideas there, and it's up to us whether, whether or not we act on them. Do I need to repeat that? Well, Satan whispered in the ear of Adam and Eve and promised them something, by the way, that they already had to become like God. They were already made in his image. I want you to think about how good he is at lying at us. I'm going to give you something you don't have. They already had it. They were made in his image. And Adam and Eve listened and acted on the rebellion, the father of rebellion. And that act of obedience cost them what they already had by design, God-likeness. They were already made in the image of God, and he tricked them. What does it say in John 10, 10? The thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. Well, if Satan has no authority, how, how is he able to steal, kill, and destroy then? Are you ready for this? You ready? You already know the answer, most of you. Ta-da. You either partner with God in your mind or partner with Satan. 
You either agree with God and the truth of his word or you agree with the lies of the enemy. The only way he can have authority over you is if you agree with him. It's through agreement. I know Dr. Shelley, if she's listening to this, she's saying, amen, because this is what her whole message is with inner healing. Satan can only be empowered through our agreement with him. That is why Adam and Eve's assignment was interrupted. And that is why many of our godly assignments are interrupted because we partner and agree and align ourselves with lies and deceit. In Genesis chapter four, Adam and Eve's two sons are fighting. And I just found this in my devotions yesterday and I added it this morning. Adam and Eve's two sons are fighting and Cain is thinking about killing his brother Abel. And this is what the Lord says to Cain. Now, if you know the story, Cain didn't listen to this. And immediately after the Lord said this, he went out and tricked his brother and killed him. We can't just be listeners. We have to be doers, right? This is what he said. If you do well, you will, not, will, will you not be accepted? And if you do not, do not do well, sin is crouching at your door. And it desires to have you. But you must master it. Rule over it. In Romans 6, 15 through 16, Paul warns us of this when he says, what then? Shall we sin because we are not under the law, but under grace? In other words, is it okay to sin because God will forgive me on Sunday? I'm gonna have fun and do what I want until Jesus returns. And when I see, when I hear the trumpet, when I see the clouds part, then I'll get on my knees and say, please forgive me, Lord, and he will accept me and take me to heaven. No, when the trumpet sounds, it's too late. Because in the instant that the trumpet will sound, believers will be taken to heaven. They will be taken up into the sky and meet Jesus there. And the rest will be left behind. This is nothing to play around with. And I would not be a good pastor if I didn't shout this to you. We cannot wait until Jesus returns. What was Paul's response to such an absurd notion that we can sin because God will forgive me? By no means. And then this is the part I want you to hear mostly, verse 16. Don't you know that when you offer yourselves to someone as obedient slaves, you are slaves of the one you obey? Whether you are slaves to sin, which leads to death, or to obedience, which leads to righteousness. So here's my point as we close. When we act in rebellion, when we act in rebellion to this, when we act in rebellion to this, we become possessions of the father of rebellion. What Adam was, was to possess, he handed it over to Satan. So now, you know what? So God is, this is what I want you to hear for your situation this morning. God came up with a plan of redemption. They messed it all up, but he came up with a plan of redemption. And guess what that plan was? Jesus. Jesus came to reclaim what Adam and Eve gave away. He came for you and he came for me. And he came for your neighbor, by the way. How well are you doing? And he came for your coworker. How well are you doing? And he came for your family members. How well are you doing? You know, I told you last week that we, we ended up doing a baptism and a child dedication. And you can all go, yay, Pastor Mark, he's so godly. I want to go to his family reunions. But you know, there were family members that refused to come over for the baptism. They completely rejected God. So why do I say that? Because we still have work to do 
in my family. And so do you. I didn't make them feel bad. I didn't say anything to them. I let them do it because it's their choice. God's looking for people that will choose to worship him. So it's not about making them feel bad. I loved on them. I talked with them as if it never happened. But I realized, because I knew this message was coming up, I have some territory to take yet. And I'm not going to wait for Ernie to do it. I, we're going we're to partner together to figure out how to take his family. And prayer sometimes is the most powerful thing you can do because they can't escape it. <laughs> right? Worship team, come. We're going to end on an upbeat note because I hammered you guys today. Boom. You are slaves to the one you obey. Man, pastor, will you please just give me something to be excited about? Yes, I'll tell you what. We are going to worship. We're going to reclaim what is lost today through our worship because this is where we're going to pick up next week. What Satan tried to spoil and stop ended up fulfilling God's ultimate agenda for planet Earth. What Satan tried to stop was ultimately became uh, the agenda that God had planned. So I just want you to think this morning. I want you to close your eyes. I'm going to ask you a whole bunch of questions, and I'm going to give you the statement that God gave me at Fuel the Fire. I just want you to think. I want you to, if you have to put your hand on your heart, do that. And I just want you to think, have I walked away from the rule of God and the truth of his word in any area of my life? Or what authority have I given to Satan in my life? What lies have I believed about myself that go against the word of God? That you're not beautiful? That he doesn't want you to be rich? That you, that you could never be this other Christian that you look at? Think about who, whose rule am I under this morning? And as Alan said last week, am I willing to unblock and remove whatever is in my life that is hindering me from being intimate with God and flowing in his power? What is that thing that's blocking me? from this empowerment and this protection of God and hosting the presence? Do I, here's a big question, do I spend too much time elevating Satan by talking about him more than God? Do I live in fear or do I live with the armor of God on? Am I multiplying and increasing my ability to represent God well? Did I listen to the Holy Spirit when he told me I should be reading more? worshiping more, praying more? Did I listen to him when he told me that I should be having devotions with my kids either at night or before they go to school? Here's another question. Will I be a warrior for God and be the one who defines the very nature of the world I'm living in by hosting the presence of God well? Where you can walk into a room and not say a word and everybody feels the presence of God come in. Will I live responsibly and be productive in representing God well? Will I be a space invader and start spreading the gospel to everyone that is in my circle of influence? Okay, open your eyes. So I just, I just want to read this. This is what God gave me Friday night. We've all been placed by God into a piece of planet Earth. You know what's really cool about where he placed you? You get to be with me. It's so cool. I don't mean that as you're lucky to be with me. I'm lucky to be with you. But we get to be together in Dubois and Sykesville and Reynoldsville. God has placed you into a piece of this planet that you looked at with all those lights. A beautiful state, a certain city, a unique community, a specific job. He gave you your own personal family. 
That's your battleground assignment. Fight until you get it back from Satan. You know your marching orders now? So please don't walk out of here without making a life-transforming decision that you're going to be a warrior with Pastor Mark and you're going to start taking ground from Satan. Otherwise, if you don't do anything with this, you just listen to another speech. And I want you to make a choice today that my day, after today, my days are going to look a lot different. After being reminded by looking at Adam and Eve's story and God's plan and agenda from the beginning that I'm a part of something way bigger than me. I'm a part of the redemptive story of God. I Think about this. Jesus came to save souls and now he's using you to do that. You get to save people from the pit of hell and you get to defeat the enemy. Woo! And even if you die before we die, and even, if we get, even when we get taken up during the millennial reign, we get to be a part of, the, of God's army that comes back and chucks Satan into the pit of hell once and for all. We get to be a part of that. We're just going to have a heavenly view of it. We get to partner with Jesus, and someday Jesus and I will celebrate all the souls that we went into the enemy's camp and stole. We get to celebrate that with him someday. Right? And that's what I want your heavenly experience to be. When you get there, everyone knows Amy Hoover's name because of what she accomplished on earth. And everyone bows. And instead of being a plumber in heaven, Jesus says, Amy, oh my word, why would you limit yourself to that because of what you accomplished on earth? Come here, I have a throne for you. You're gonna serve side by side with me for the rest of eternity. So I wanna close with an old upbeat song that we used to do. It's called Days of Elijah. I want this to stir your soul for more souls, to be space invaders, right? And when you see someone who is a slave to Satan, I want it to be your mission to go into that camp and take them back. Let's send our enemy a message this morning through our worship. An old song, but a song of declaration that we will not rest until every soul is saved. Amen? Are you with me? Are you with me?